Welcome back to He's Abroad. This is Jason back in Brooklyn. And uh, not in my low, quiet voice, joined as always by John, who is abroad in New Zealand. What's up, John? Diamond hands right now. Shining. Right, you get, you're getting ahead of it. You're getting ahead of it. Diamond hands out there. Hold people. Hold the line. Don't let them scare you off. Keep holding. Yeah, things are going I, <laughs> Yeah, it's a good day to be a GameStop shareholder. We'll get into that a little later. John is uh, really diving deep into the world of, what is it? Wall Street Wall bets. bets. And, We're in there. And I no am just. Weak hands over here. Diamond strong, baby. I am just sitting on the shore watching that, watching all the boats head towards the ocean. Watching the rest of us make money and punish Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like like <laughs> sitting sitting on the boats and raiding like vikings spoiler alert for some media therapy i started playing the new uh vikings based assassin's creed game so there you go i'm in that mindset it's like just just world of warcraft raids going on 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 wall street just just cooking assassin's creed, you like get you get in these boats full of people and you storm the beaches and it's like the opposite of what you'd expect from an assassin's creed game so you're just going in you're sounding the horn it's like we're here and we're ready to fuck shit up and you're looting, like you're looting them. So that's exactly what it is. It's the perfect metaphor or yeah. um, allegory or both. You know, stuff <laughs> like that. So anyway, outside of that, because we'll talk a little more about that later. What's, yeah, uh, what's going on? In, uh, what's going on in your neck of the woods? Weather is nice. It's still summer. COVID, that one case of COVID that we got has stayed to that one case. So we're still walking around. Gallivanting, it's great. For now. For now, right? Like everybody else. But uh yeah, we've been able to keep it under control. The South African variant has stayed has stayed where it where it needs to stay between two to three people. And they are self-isolating and it's not spread throughout the community. So things in New Zealand are going good. Well, uh can't say this. Well, here the cases are going down. We're on the right trend. Uh, my Papa prediction Joe. is Papa Joe got in there with a plan, and look at that numbers go down. I don't think that had anything to do with it, but I you think sure that, that yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think this is exactly what I said was going to happen, which was January is going to be a dark month, but we'll start seeing the downturn after the uh, after the the holidays start to subside. So now that we're on the other side of New Year's, you know they've been dropping. So New Year's, Christmas, all that stuff. No one's seeing each other because no one cares. And uh, they're just staying inside. They're doing their thing. And that's uh, that's just how it's going. I think people are wearing their masks for the most part. Yeah, because I think people are finally sick of this. They're no longer just trying to troll. I mean, there, there's a lot in <laughs> where we're going in the world. I mean, some of the some of the Wall Street bet stuff is a direct reflection of our past four years of just screw the experts. Do it my way. <laughs> oh, they're still Yolo, out there. Baby. That- that dude, no, no, baby, we're doing it our way. Who cares about science or math? That, or that, 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 that hypothetical, that, that hypothetical Dave, right? That we spoke about a little while ago. He had a post about masks, and he was like, "I th- this is the tone that I read it in." Oh, my doctor told me I had to wear a different mask because my mask wasn't good enough. And I imagine that whenever he says "doctor," he's making like quote fingers. My doctor. I was about to say, when's the last time you think he saw a medical professional for anything? I, he might he might i have no idea but to be honest the 
that post made me made me giggle because I was just like, dude, it's a doctor. Like, just listen to a doctor. Like, come on. Yeah, because like, like you mask. You mean the, the paper towel that you put over your face? <laughs> like, yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah, this is the same dude who's taking selfies in front of Trump Tower all the time. It's like, all right, man. Like, yep, there's better things to do. But because Facebook knows I read this stuff, like hate reading, keep giving it to you. It does, like top of the list every time, every time. So I, I got no one to blame but myself. Um, yeah. How was the? Uh, you went to that art exhibit. That was a couple of weeks ago. Oh, all right. Well. <laughs> that was a couple of weeks ago. It was not very good, if you want to know the truth. Um, so one, look, here's, here's a few things, right? One, Van Gogh is overrated. He might be the most overrated artist of all time. All right? Yeah. I, I actually feel pretty strongly about saying that Van Gogh is the most overrated sort of artist name that you know, right? So, like, of course, you know the Turtles. You know Picasso. You know Warhol, right? Like I'm just thinking of like you know Basquiat. So you're talking, you're talking painters, painters, right? Like okay. I mean, I but that's say, the thing. Like the turtles artists. were more than just painters, though. They were sculptors. They were worldly men, right? Like the fact that Da Vinci, like those notebooks alone, is like a combination of like art and science and all of these worldly founding things. Like it's pretty amazing just reading his notebook. Where Van Gogh, like his work, okay. Right, his works okay. You get Starry Night. You get a couple of things. Right? It's like it's fine, but Van Gogh as a as a human being is actually pretty interesting. He's a pretty tortured, dude. I mean, all or artists are kind Got of zero off. That's the thing, right? Yeah, but he was also like leading up to it, he was rapidly deteriorating and sort of explaining how art has a role to play in his deterioration. So, anyways, right. The main reason why we win is because it's like you know, you know me. I like the interactive stuff right make something that would probably be normally pretty benign and make it really come to life right make it make it an experience yeah give me a starry night instagram filter yeah so we walked into this and there's two main problems one it's kind of all in one big room so it's hard to see exactly like they don't guide your focus anywhere which is a little bit overwhelming because you don't know, like, am I supposed to look at this panel now? Like, how am I supposed to, like, the good thing about the thing that we did, right? Even though we kind of went a different way, it still sort of guides you and tells a story as you're walking through different parts of that exhibit, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you can still sort of put pieces and things together. And then you go to this one big room that's got that big waterfall down the rock. And it's all these crazy colors and stuff. And you can just sit there and, and enjoy that and all of its scale. And then you can sort of go into these rooms that have different, sort of one-off things. Like, like, I'm trying to remember the one thing with all the mirrors and the lights where you sort of walk down this little rocky hill thing that we went on. Um, I should stop saying thing because I'm trying to remember what the name of it is. It's like, um, it's Lab something. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Oh, Team um, Lab. Yes, Team Labs, yes. Huh? So, like, yeah. the Team Lab stuff is, like, what I was sort of expecting because Team Lab stuff is awesome, right? Like, yeah. the whole Mori Building Art Museum is, if you ever get a chance to go to Japan and see that, it's awesome, um, like all the team lamb borderless stuff is nuts. I was hoping for more of that. Instead, you kind of got like what that big waterfall rock was in one big room. And the problem is people want to, it's sort of telling a story. It's telling a timeline. So instead of people walking around and, and being able to experience it, everyone sits down. 
Mm. And the problem is there's not enough seats to sit on. So people are sitting on the floor. People are blocking your view. And you're just kind of like, well, I guess I have to sit down now too, although I would preferably like to walk around it, right? You want to walk around and see different different things and then stand back and see the scale of it. You want to sort of take in the entirety of the art. But you can't because everyone just sits down. And the thing that turns – not really selfie. There's like a little area where you could take selfies afterwards, but by then we were so done. So I'll tell you what completely killed it for me, right? So this thing goes on like a 30-minute loop. So they sort of show you the work, and they've got quotes from Van Gogh about, you know, life and all these different things. And it sort of gets to the end. And, like, it finishes. They kind of show some credits of all the people that worked on this thing. And then the very next thing they do is play a Porsche ad. <laughs> So, like, it stops, and then it's literally like a car commercial. And on all these giant screens, it's like, wouldn't you love to get in the new Cayenne? It's like it's like this straight-up Porsche ad at the end of Van Gogh talking about all of this torturous <laughs> life about art and death and what's happiness and what's love and what is it like to put yourself into something and, you know, and what is it like to sort of feel like you're losing your mind and that you don't know where, whether you can get it back and, you know, losing grip on reality and, you know, all of these existential life struggles and then Buy a hundred and fifty thousand dollar car because capitalism is gonna fix this for. It's basically what, it, and that's why I was like, I'm out. Like I, I just walked out. I was like, I'm good. Um. So yeah, I would give that if you're in Wellington. I don't know if it's still going on in Wellington, but if you ever see this Van Gogh alive thing, I give it like a two out of ten. Whoa, um, it's bad. It was bad. What if and the Porsche wasn't there? It'd probably be about a four or a five. Wow. Okay. okay. Um. Not necessarily much wow. better, but it was it was bad. Like I, I was I was so. Oh, man, there's, not, there's not much money in those big exhibits like that. You got someone's got to pay those bills. At the same bills. time, man, like you you went through. If you didn't so pour on the syrup of Van Gogh's torture, yeah, it wouldn't have been so jarring. But like you're, I'm sitting there and I'm like, huh, okay, there's some pretty powerful words and what they sort of put on the screen and what I'm supposed to take in about his experience as an artist. And then it's literally like everything that you fight against is doing art. Right. Like there's every, I mean, even someone you talk to someone who works on Hollywood films, and this is a constant struggle where you're working on something for art, and then you're like, but the, like this is what the client wants. So you just do what they want, right? Because it's not your personal project. You're working for companies and corporations who are trying to make money. And yet there's always this pull of like, well, what if I just did my own thing and didn't care about money? What if I just really said this creative venture is what makes it's my way of expressing how I live in this world? And and then it's just like buy a Porsche Cayenne, but it's and, and it was like one of those obnoxious like Super Bowl level ads. Oh, uh, like not yeah. even like not even just like again like it was so jarringly sort of offensive that it was pretty much like all right, I'm good. Like yeah, this like you like burning out for that. Like like man, go like he's got to be like if he if you believe in people floating around as ghosts. He had to go in there and going, this is my life's work. Look at these people enjoying my life's work. And then he sees Porsche. He has to roll over in his grave. He has to. You don't think Van Gogh would have driven a Porsche? What kind of car do you think Van Gogh would have drove? He would have driven like one of these bicycles. Like, again, like if you look at pictures of this thing, like if you, <laughs> like if you, like he would have driven a, a something electric. Like a scooter. Um, like, yeah, like if you yeah, actually look at the main page of this, like it's beautiful. Like you're seeing all these art and they're showing his work and it kind of has a bit of it's like bringing some of the stuff like alive, right? Like it's trying to add a bit of dimensionality and a bit of motion in a modern world to teach someone about Vincent Van Gogh. And then you're there and it's just like, Bleh. 
Um, so yeah, this thing's going on all during New Zealand. So if you're in New Zealand, and yeah, you'll see at the bottom if you go to the bottom of this thing, proudly presented by Porsche. Oh, yeah, because you're right. Like it looks really cool on these screens, right? It so looks if there cool. was now, if there, let me let me give you another scenario. If there yep. was no people and no Porsche ad, I probably it probably I probably personally would have liked it. Alice would have hated it. She would have been like, whatever. But I would have liked it if there weren't she, people. Alice is not a fan. Well, just because Van Gogh's kind of whack, he just is, and he's always okay. been a little whack. And I think that's part of the problem that Van Gogh's not interesting enough. Like you really got to turn this up, where it's like, like, like take Picasso for instance, right? Picasso's super interesting because if you look at the work from the beginning to the end, it's drastically different. Like Picasso was a was like a classically yeah. trained painter. If you look at that work, you're like, this is realism. This looks like stuff that like is that you would have seen sort of in the 1800s, 1900s. And then you see the stuff later where it's like he just decided, I'm going to play with blue and I'm going to do that for a decade or I'm going to start changing shapes and distorting figures and stuff. And you're just like, wow, he really pushed art for someone who understood the rules. He then just completely broke them all. And Van Gogh just, eh, he just kind of did his thing and then went crazy. So. All right. Fair enough. So, yeah, we didn't talk about that, but there you go. <laughs> so, uh, don't Van Gogh, Van Stop. And that's the end of the podcast, everybody. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, I made I made the crunchy French toast. I know you're worried about that one. I said I was going to make it. Made it with Frosted Flakes. I nailed it. I nailed it. As I uh, as I often do uh, with these breakfast situations, I've um, I'm not going to say I've become a master, but um, I'm I'm a pretty good amateur. Yeah, I mean, you. If someone said, "What did you learn during the pandemic?" You're going to say, "I mastered French toast pancakes." I made I've made like the carby pan the carby breakfast of your dreams. You mastered it. Yeah. I'm uh, become pretty good at it. So I made, I made the, I made French toast, made some crunchy French toast, made some regular French toast and uh, made the, the vanilla sauce. And I, I know I said it before, but I will, I, I just need you, you who's listening to understand this. Vanilla sauce is the secret to just an instant breakfast win. If you're like, how do I make my, you're making Aunt Jemima. You know, you got a legacy box of Aunt Jemima that's worth $1,000 because they discontinued it, but you want to make it because that's what you got and you don't know how to make pancakes from scratch like an adult, all right? And you're like, well, how do I make these better? Vanilla sauce. Hmm. That's it. It's the secret. French toast, even if you're making it with some Wonder Bread, God bless you. Grew up on it. Vanilla sauce. Change your life. That's that's my tip. That's my tip to a phenomenal carby breakfast, vanilla sauce. Good to know. It's it sounds so simple, and it is. So so get after it. Um, I don't know what I'm doing this weekend. I think I might make a. Um, I'm thinking I'm thinking maybe a Dutch baby. Maybe a, maybe a chocolate Dutch baby. Wow! And you eat this stuff by yourself? Yeah. But like, does it last like just one? Do you make just enough for one or do you end up like saving some? Like, how does that stuff hold if you're like full and you're like, oh, no, I made too much. Uh, Pancakes is easy. Pancakes, I always have enough for more and I and I freeze it. Okay, so you do freeze. And and, and here's the here's the other secret, right? Freeze pancakes, 
toast them. Toasted pancakes, awesome. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Trust me. Trust me. And if you made yourself your, you know, my my patented original matcha mochi pancakes, those toasted is just completely different. It's like you've given yourself a second treat hmm. where you look forward to the leftovers. It's cool. uh Right. It's, well, quite a life, it's quite a quite a lifestyle that I've uh Yeah, it is. Like I said, you're not fat, but you're just living the lifestyle. Now you're really living the lifestyle. On the weekends, yeah, I'm living the lifestyle. Uh my my but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what is like really breaking it, like my usual thing of usually healthy during the week, not so much on weekends. Um for the holidays, usually my cleaning lady. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> She'll uh she she usually gives me this um the, one of those big packs of Ferrero Rochers, right? Okay, yeah. I thought that it's was only like a holiday thing, like a Christmas time thing. I don't think no. You could buy those all year round. I don't know about the big the big cases though. I don't know. Like you're talking about one of these. God, what is it like? Eight by. There's a ton of these things, right? It's a lot. It's a lot. And normally, what I'd do is I'd take them and I'd bring them into the office because I know if they're here, I'll eat them. So I bring them to the office, I share them, and the vultures just jump right in, and they are housed by a small office, and I might have like two or three of them, which is enough. That's enough for me, because I love those things. They yeah, are. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm not a fan of those things at all. I didn't have one until I lived in New Zealand, and I'm kind of like, I could leave this thing. Like, it's really? whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something about it that I'm just not a big fan of. Maybe they fuck it up in New Zealand. I don't know. No, I'm Did pretty sure it's the same one. It's just, it's just whatever. Gold wrapper? Gold wrapper, the little cup. Yeah, thing. gold wrapper with the brown bottom. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah same yeah, thing. I, I, yeah, I'm also not a giant sweets person, so I'm the wrong person to ask. I mean, it's delicious. You got hazelnuts, you got chocolate, you got like a little truffle action in the middle. Oh, my God. It's it's like a perfect one-bite candy. Yeah, it's whatever. It's, it's amazing. Okay. I will say I did accidentally cut myself on one of those things. <laughs> Wait, what? On the foil? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, foil. Because uh, usually what I do is I open it, I pop it in my mouth, like from the foil. You know, don't want to get my hands all chocolatey. So it just goes from foil to mouth. Well, foil got a little too close to the lip. Cut the lip ever so slightly. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, man, I bleed for my food. What do you do? <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Wow. Yeah. So anyway. I am crushing these things. I mean, I've had it since December and I'm still not done, but I have, as of this recording, I have two left. Two and left. Those, those two is, won't make it past the weekend, will they? No, they'll be gone this weekend. Yeah. They'll be gone. Yeah. Um, but you know what? They were good. It's been a while since I've really uh, gone uh, hard on some of these things and uh, coming out on the other side in one piece. The other side, the other thing of excitement, not that any of that was really exciting. I don't blame you. And this might not be either. Uh, I bought a new phone. Oh, are you off the pixels? Uh, yeah. I Well, the phone is ordered, so not officially yet, but it'll be here Tuesday or Wednesday. I got the, bear with me here, the Samsung S21 Ultra 5G. That's the full name of this phone. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Top of the line. Now, I've had every pixel, every numbered pixel, not a speaking A's, you know, because I had the 3A, the 4A, the 4A, 5G. Hmm. But I've had the pixel one, two XL, three, four XL. Five came out and five was actually, I was still pretty happy with my four 
XL, but the cameras on the 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 five was kind of a step back. Hmm. It was a weaker processor. The cameras were the same, except they swapped the zoom for a wide angle for the wide lens. But otherwise, same cameras. And it was and the processor wasn't as powerful. Battery life's better. Screen not as good, a little lower resolution. Great phone. Don't get me wrong. Just compared to what I had, didn't really make sense. And I wasn't going to get one, but then my uh, my Pixel 4 XL is the, the back panel is starting to escape my phone. And this is actually the second time it's happened. They sent me a replacement. They swapped it out. And then it happened again, even worse so. And they were like, yeah, we're going to charge you a hundred bucks for it. I'm like, charge me a hundred bucks. I'm going to buy a $1,200 phone in your face. Google. Yeah, that'll show them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But here's the deal. And I'll, and I'll keep you posted on this and whether or not it works because I looked at the price. I was like, okay, if they send me this thing for a hundred dollars and I turn around and sell it because it's going to happen again. Then how much can I get for it? Well, the same price for a trade in the same price to buy it online it was the same value they would have given me for a trade-in. So I'm going to trade this towards it. Now, as far as the requirements for trading in a phone goes and it working, checks off every box. Never dropped it. Screen's great. Turns on. Everything's cool. So as long as they're not like... Not even like on a carpet. Not even on a couch. You've never dropped your phone. This this one? No. I haven't had it for very long because it's the replacement one. But I rarely drop my phone. I might drop a phone like... I don't know, once every other month. It's really rare that I drop my phone. Yeah, I don't drop my phone either. I'm just curious because I have dropped it. And if someone asked me, I would say, yeah, I never dropped my phone. But indeed, you always. It's super rare. So if I did, it's. Carpet slips on the couch. Like it happens. Yeah, it's very rare. Um, But yeah, I don't don't even know if I ever dropped this one since I've had it. So yeah, we'll see if they give it to me. But between that. So yeah, it's like a $1,200 phone. But they'll give me about $400 for this thing. They give me $400 credit towards my account on Fi. And Samsung gives me $200 credit towards anything in their store. So you get all those perks and I'm like, all right. And you got like the latest, it's like basically the top specs of any phone out there on the market. So you got four cameras because I need four cameras for some reason. Um, Got a crazy QHD resolution screen that's apparently beautiful. The phone's enormous, but it's about the same size as mine, so it wasn't a big deal. I checked it out in Best Buy. I'm like, all right, I can still fit it in my hands, my tiny hands. So that that worked out well. And yeah, it'll be interesting to try it. This will be my first Samsung phone I've ever had. Hmm. My, my first uh, Samsung. I was a big Motorola fan. This will be my first non. Yeah. This will be our first non-stock Android phone. Huh, interesting. Because yeah, I always had I always had Motorola. What were they? The the Moto, yeah, like Moto X. I yeah, think had that one. Those phones. Yeah, I went from. So when I left Windows Phone, uh huh, that's right. Yeah, that's I, right. I I remember that now. Well, Windows Phone, Windows Phone. I was like, dude, stop! Like, just stop. And you did. I liked it. Anyway, um, I went from that, and then I went to the Nexus Five. Uh, no, sorry, Nexus Five X. Then I went to the Pixels, and that was the. Uh, and then I never looked back. Then now here we are at the uh, I'm in Samsung land, and we'll see if I like it. I might hate it. Cool. Yeah, and I've had the Pixel Three for a while now, and it's doing everything I need it to do. 
I'm not a giant phone. I'm not playing games on my phone. I, you know, Pixel Three was great. Battery life was a uh, was killer for me. It just became really bad at the end. Yeah, again, my battery life's fine for the most part, and I still have it. Pixel Three is right behind me. You yeah. know, it's in it's in this very room. This morning, I've been using it to to read the internet, and I'm at seventy five percent still. So wonderful, good for you. Well, I'll keep you posted. I'm excited, and uh, apparently the. You know, if I want to get out there and do some more astrophotography, this one takes some ridiculous pictures. I found this awesome YouTube video of this guy who does astrophotography reviews of phones and he takes any. So there's like this 15 minute review of the of this ultra phone of the S21 Ultra. And he spends like the first five minutes just talking about how ugly the phone is Hmm. in this like really heavy Australian accent. So it's hilarious. Like, yeah, the phone's ugly, but not here to tell you about the looks of the phone, but it's bloody ugly. <laughs> and then he takes some amazing, amazing astrophotography shots. Like it's really crazy. So yeah. got to go into the woods. Got to take some, got to take shots. Maybe go to some mountains when it's not, you know, 20 degrees Fahrenheit outside. All right. Let's get into some news. Shall we? Yes, let's do it. All right. So I got really we want to talk about this GameStop thing. We'll do that. Um, I also have a, uh, I also, I also got a, some, a story about Toys R Us. So where do you want to start? You want to do GameStop first or Toys R Us first? Uh, let's do Toys R Us. Let's then let's do, let's, let's end with GameStop. Let's do Toys R Us first though. Cool. This is a quick one. Read from CNBC.com. Take a sip of water here. Okay. Mm. Toys R Us. Last two stores in the U.S. are closed for good. That's it. It's over. Next story. Nope. Toys Key Points. Shall I read the key points? I'll just read the story. It's not very long. Just read the story. It's fine. Toys R Us closed the only two stores it had left in the United States. The iconic toy retailer made the decision as a result of the hardships brought on by the COVID pandemic and plans to shift resources towards opening new locations where there is better shopper traffic, a spokesperson told CNBC in an emailed statement. Quote, Consumer demand in the toy category and for Toys R Us remains strong, and we will continue to invest in the channels where the customer wants to experience our brand, end quote, the person said. Toy sales in the U.S. surged last year by 16 to 20, 16% to $25.1 billion, market researcher the NPD Group reported Monday, as families turned to toys to keep kids occupied during the health crisis. But a substantial share of those sales has moved online. Yeah, you think? Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, really? Like, I wonder where they went. Uh, yeah, exactly. like, seriously. True Kids, an entity that acquired Toys R Us in intellectual property during its liquidation in 2018, opened two smaller format stores in late 2019. One at Unibail, Radomco, Westfields, Garden State Plaza Mall in Paramus, New Jersey. Okay, I know exactly where that is. I've been there. I've never heard. I was about to say, is that the name of it? Sounds real complicated. Look, it's the Garden. It's the Garden State Mall. That's what we always called it. That, that's what I've called it for my entire life. All right. I don't, I don't know, know what this Unibail, Radomco, Westfield. I know what Westfield is. That I've seen the name on some of the uh, signs in the mall. Anyway, that's in Paramus, New Jersey, and the second at Simon Properties Group, the Galleria in Houston. The Houston location closed on January 15th, the spokesperson said, while the Paramus location shuttered on Tuesday. Representatives from 
URW and Simon did not immediately respond to CNBC's request for comment. True Kids is still running Toys R Us website, which ultimately sends customers to Amazon to complete a purchase after marketing them toys. It also continues to license the brand globally. Many consumers have steered clear of brick and mortar stores during the pandemic and instead have been buying more online. Mall-based retailers have suffered exceptionally. It likely will take some time for shoppers to adjust to heading back to malls, and one retail research firm is predicting there could be as many as 10,000 store closures announced by retailers in the U.S. this year, which would set a record. Bloomberg first reported on the Toys R Us closures on Friday. That's it. Are you sad about Toys R Us closing? Is that a big part of your childhood? You know, I I am. Was it a big part of my childhood? I think it was a big part of everybody's childhood, at least a chunk of it, right? Because even if, you know, that that was always the place, right? Like that, that's the only place that you go into and like everything was a toy because they have toy aisles in Targets, for example, right? And that is the most depressing, dreary sad excuse for a toy aisle ever it's just always a cage with balls in it that tells you you're at the toy aisle right right that's like the universal sign for this is the toy aisle we're going to give you a big cage and you throw all the balls at the top of it yeah that's true yeah i see what you're saying but i i guess the difference is think about it in the terms of i'm going to go back to when i was you know think about putting myself in my younger younger boy shoes here you know they're about the same size shoes as what i wear now but you know (laughs) so it's not that hard to do but (laughs) but i'm gonna think about in terms of like star wars toys right action figures that's that to me was like the biggest difference between like a toy store and like some shitty toy aisle right because you'd, you'd look at the toy aisle and it's like, all right, here's like three toy. Here's three versions of that thing. And they all suck. You know, here's three Jar Jar Binks. And then you're going to go into the toy aisle of a Toys R Us. You go into the, to the Star Wars. They have like a they have a whole Star Wars aisle. Right. And it's like, here is every fucking thing you'd ever want. <laughs> and yeah, you got your Jar Jars, but you got every, but you got all the things that you could pretend to kill Jar Jar. And they're all right there. Right. Like that's the difference, but it's like Legos and and connects yeah. and all of that stuff was where Same you could thing. find all of that stuff. Like, sure, you can go to Walmart and get a and get like the most popular small little Lego set, but if you wanted like the giant Lego sets and the really sort of what people would now consider collectibles, it would be a Toys R Us. Yeah, yeah, it's just it was just a different experience, you know. The as a as a as a young boy, there's very sh- few things in a in a shopping experience that appeal to to me as a young boy. Hmm. I mean, even now, I go into a mall and it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't give a shit about ninety eight percent of the stores here. Yep, get in, get out. Know yeah. what you want, get in, get out. Yeah, and then you know, Toys R Us or any toy store for that matter. KB was like, that was the one that was always in a mall. They kind of sucked, but they were there. You know, it was mm-hmm. something in between. But it, it, that, that's like a safe haven. That's like the that is a oasis for a child in a mall shopping experience or any shopping experience. You know, you go into a toy store and you are you are safe from the world of clothes and couches. Yeah, I mean, and I would say even when you were preteen, 
10, 11, 12, when your parents maybe felt a little more comfortable letting you in a store on your own, you could go into a Toys R Us without your parents fearing that you're going to destroy something or that, you know, like kids won't be accepted because when you're in Toys R Us, you can't complain about kids because you're literally in a toy store for kids, right? Like it's that one place where you can kind of run, run around and touch a bunch of stuff and everyone's like, well, that's kind of expected. It's a toy store. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, having been more more interested in video games at a certain point, you know, their, their video game sections kind of sucked. I think they... Um, they kind of snoozed on that. They always had like this big video game section in the local Toys R Us that I was at. But yeah, and you could always was, get the thing that I knew about Toys R Us is that they often had pretty good deals. Like yes, buy two get one, right? Like that type of yeah. stuff. Yeah, you could get they always Toys had. Yeah, they always had a dope Black Friday deal. Yeah, and I and I did take advantage of those every so often. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and they had an annual buy two get one free. Yeah. Um, every every year so that was pretty good now target has kind of picked up that mantle but it's just not the same it's not the same even even, and and you always have to walk through the store like even even as somebody who wasn't interested in toys right you could walk you in order to get to the game section you had to walk through the store and there was just something joyous you know Hmm. that 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 whole childhood toy innocence you know it's it's like the rosebud thing it's the exact same thing. There's no difference. We're all that guy. We're all Citizen Kane. It's just a shame, really, that they didn't, like, as Amazon was doing this with books, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe Barnes and Nobles and Borders just was like, well, Amazon came in here is already starting to crush us with some of these books. That these other companies didn't see, like, oh, this is going to happen for us as well. We actually already have the infrastructure to turn our, I mean, I would say this is what Best Buy has been able to do more successfully than most, right? You still have your brick and mortar store, but your brick and mortar stores are much more targeted towards things that people come in for, right? So TVs, computers, it's a lot less of sort of just random stuff that you can get online. So like Best Buy had to change their stores of realizing people come in here because they want to see stuff and then they go home and buy it on Amazon, And I would argue that the toy store was probably the same. It's a place where you could send your kids in and touch a bunch of stuff. But when you wanted to get the best deal on toys, because your kids are always asking for toys, you go to Amazon and get them. But they can see them first in Toys R Us. It became sort of like this, this, hey, go check stuff out here and then go buy it online for cheaper. And they just didn't catch on to the fact of, oh, we actually have the infrastructure. We just need to be able to build the website and build the logistics to be able to buy our products online as well as say, Hey, come into our stores and live it for the experience. Come in so you can send your kid in and they can play with half of this crap that you do, that you can't afford to buy. And then one day when you can buy it, you know, to go to our website and buy it. Right. Instead, when you can't afford to buy, it, you go to Amazon and that's the problem. Well, there was like a hubris. That's the thing. Like they thought yeah, they absolutely. were untouchable. Yeah. I mean, look at what happened. I mean, circuit city, right. Remember that place? That's what's happening to everything really. I mean, I would say even like every single industry, whether you're talking about newspapers, right? And then, you know, everything moving to online articles, whether you're talking about um, like radio stations, right? Who needs a radio station? Now you got a podcast. Why would you turn on your dial to terrestrial radio when your car, you can hook your phone up to it and you can listen to whatever you want? The one value is is live. I think there's a value to live. it's the only thing that's still alive. Like sports is still alive because it's live, right? You want to watch the game then in real time, but 
any other type of programming. I want to watch it when I want to watch it. And I think that's the same thing of like, hey, Toys R Us, I don't want to have to make a special trip to your store just to buy something that's going to be more expensive than if I just order it on Amazon. And it might even be here the same day, depending on when I order it, right? Like Amazon is a, is a logistics company. And then they just happen to say, well, we'll just sell whatever. doesn't matter, right? The logistics are the same, whether it's a flat screen TV or, a, you know, a Tamagotchi. doesn't make a difference. Same crap. And just some of these stores just didn't realize that. And I mean, you can go from everywhere from the way that Netflix has done this with with Blockbuster, the way that, you know, Amazon's done this with Toys R Us. Like it's just countless industries of just showing like the world is changing. And if you guys don't adapt, you're gonna die. So Yeah. It's upsetting. But here's the fun part. Amazon put bookstores at a business, but now Amazon is opening bookstores yeah well that's the dirt that's the so funny now, thing right because so they see- amazon so i bet you you're gonna see like amazon so amazon has already had like holiday pop-ups and things like that yes. I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if within the next five years you see an amazon toy store no but but that's the thing though right is that again logistically amazon and jeff bezos now sees value in in real estate it's not about the actual store right it's about owning the property on that store it's about the real estate and that's the next major acquisition across the world, right? Really? Like everywhere you go, it's now about ac- ac- acquisition of real estate, acquisition of land to do whatever you want to to it, even though your main business is online. And so you basically put the brick and mortar stores out of business and then you use their brick and mortar space for other stuff. You change the model of what of what you want them to be. And so it's just very interesting. It's again, it's sad for us, but these kids don't care. Like they've got no business being in Toys R Us when they can watch kids open up a toy on YouTube, right? You watch an unboxing video. It's the same thing as running around a toy store to them, right? To me and you, it's weird because that was the day to get out the house and do stuff and a bit of freedom. But now they're just like, well, I just watch YouTube on my phone and I can watch this kid open up this thing that my parents can't afford to buy me. It's the same crap. Uh, It's that that's the internet trend that I do not understand. Yep, watching people open up stuff, it's it's giant, right? Because you get that same feeling as in going into a toy store and looking at the back of the box, trying to get your parents to buy this thing. It's the same stuff, only you don't have to leave your house. Yeah. Well, rest in peace, Toys R Us. I mean, you'll live on and, you know, whatever online, <laughs> you'll, you'll get all your referral dollars on Amazon, I guess. Yeah. But, but these online sellers, like a lot of people are actually selling through Amazon and you could do fine like amazon is basically the mall of the internet at two for a lot of these places yeah yep. it works out decently i've sold stuff on amazon and it's you know it's easier I, than ebay yeah it's fine i've sold books on amazon it's fine yeah what you wrote a book no 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 like like books that you buy and then reselling used books right you got an old bunch of used textbooks or stuff yeah yeah so maybe i should write a book though based on all the money i'm making yeah exactly oh good transition good transition all right, let's talk about this GameStop thing. I have um, speaking of upending industries. <laughs> yeah, so I got a couple of weird stories, like kind of all over the place here. Mm-hmm. Let me just um, here's a quick one that just popped up on uh, on my feed. Uh, this is this is what I saw right before we uh, started recording. So, ten year old San Antonio boy cashes in on GameStop stocks. This is reading from Fox Business. Now, I originally had an article from the New York Post, and uh, that was fake. So, not going to read news. that one. 
Yeah, exactly. So Jaden Carr's mother, Nina, spent $60 for 10 shares of the video game chain stock in December 2019. So a 10-year-old San Antonio boy made a killing by selling GameStop stock he was gifted more than a year ago. <laughs> Jaden Carr's mother, Nina, spent six, I literally just said that, ten, $60 for 10 shares of video game chain stock in December 2019. That she gave, yeah, that she gave him for Kwanzaa to reflect Look at that shit. That's Ujama? right, black businesses. We're making we're making black money out here. <laughs> Wait, to ref, to reflect Ujama? What does that mean? Yes, so there's there yeah. are seven principles of Kwanzaa. Okay, right. So, this so the way Kwanzaa Ujama. works, it's very similar to to Hanukkah in that fact, as in you each day you sort of celebrate a different thing, right? Like I believe Hanukkah is saying. Nope. Wait, so there's but you're celebrating the days of candles left during. Somebody one, in the Maccabees were trying to live, it was right? One, it was a little bit of it was a little bit of oil that lasted eight days. It wasn't okay, like okay. Well, look, it's the same thing. There's seven days here. Like but we, you had actually, candles. we had eight candles. This had, is the day of the blue candle. Yeah, and we, we, had candles, we had candles as well in Kwanzaa. There's candles, right? So similar thing. You light a candle each day. So quiet. Let me finish. We don't right? have ujamaa. I, I, I know. I, I, I know enough about Chanuka. I know enough. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. Go on. So, so you light a candle each day, and there's seven principles. Of sort of the, like the, and again, Kwanzaa, the history of Kwanzaa is actually very recent. Kwanzaa's not like this ancient African thing. Like Kwanzaa, I believe, started in like the 70s or the 60s. Yeah. I said that to an uncle uh, of mine recently and blew his mind. Yeah, it's like Kwanzaa started from some dude in Philly, I believe. It was some guy from Philadelphia, somewhere from Pennsylvania or somewhere around there where he yeah, started. It's the United States. It's a, it's a recent, it's like a last half century. Yeah, it's not that old. Yeah, because he said basically this this Kwanzaa is about like the harvest time, right? Of like harvesting all of these things to sort of reflect on these principles. And which principle did you say it was? Uh, Ujama. So Ujama, I believe, is the third or fourth, and I'm not looking this up because I we I had to like learn this stuff. But Ujama, I believe, because there is Umoja. My favorite is Kujichakalia, which is self determination. <laughs> And then I don't know what Ujamaa is, but there's but like there's two that are. Uh, I'm close. gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you what there's, it is. Ujamaa so, and there's Ujamaa, right? There's two of them. I got them all here. Okay, you, you got all the. Okay. Well, again, I, I, I want to see if I can go through them, right? So there's Kujichakalia. There's okay, Umoja. That's, that's that's two. Okay, and then there's Umoja. I know there's Umoja. Umoja. Yep. There's Imani. That is seven. Okay. Uh, you said Ujamaa. There's also Ujima. So. Yeah, Ujama's four, Ujima's three. Okay, yep. and then the last two. I do not remember the last two at all. I can't even begin to tell you what they were. Nia and Kumba. I wouldn't have guessed those. You could have so asked here me we go. Chronologically, so, 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 so I do know. So I just want to say, I know the first one is Unity. Yep. Umoja's Unity. Kujichakalia is self-determination. Yep. And I know Imani is faith. The rest of them I don't remember. <laughs> so... <laughs> This is so weird. Ujima is collective work and responsibility. I'm going right, to skip yeah, Ujama because that's the one in question. Yes. Nia is purpose. Okay. Kumba is creativity. Okay. I should Ujama. There you go. Yeah. This is why it's weird. Cooperative economics. There you go. Look at that. We making money. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So Ujama, you, you give her, give him some. He plays video games, right? Instead of buying him a video game, yep. that's sixty bucks. Buy him 60 bucks worth of GameStop. Yeah, so it says here in Fox Business, it says uh, she gave him for Kwanzaa to reflect Ujama, one of festival's seven principles that focuses on cooperative economics. Look at so that. With GameStop share, out there. 
Yeah, so GameStop share price skyrocketing this week behind a spectacular frenzy driven by a Reddit chat group. Jaden sold the shares Wednesday for a little less than $3,200. That's reports. Quote, my phone was going off because I have GameStop on my watch list, end quote, Nina said of, of watching the share price surge. Quote, I was trying to explain to him that this was unusual. I asked him, do you want to stay or sell? End quote. The mother-son investing duo. Really? <laughs> said $2,200 of the funds would go to Jaden's savings account and that they put the other $1,000 towards future investing. So now let me say this, right? That right there is the definition of paper hands. (laughs) So God bless Jaden and his mother for teaching black excellence and cooperative economics. But this is not one of the principles of Wall Street bets here. Because those are paper-thin hands, weak hands. Because when you like the stock, right? We just like the stock. Diamond hands, strong, hold, never sell. See it to the moon, boys. That's that's why we're getting to the top. That's the principle. You buy it, and you ride or die with this thing. Either you're going to the moon, and we're rocking it with Elon in a Tesla car on, on Mars, Oh, we're going broke, baby. Either one. Either one, you're here for it. You're here for the memes and the lulls. So you're going you to see this You have to sell it at some point. Otherwise, you don't get to Mars. No, no, no. no. We hold it forever. Always hold. Hold until we moon, boys. <laughs> like your pants are off? That kind of moon? Like what, what kind of moon are we talking? To the moon, baby. The rocket ship. We're taking the rocket ship to the moon. Sky high. <laughs> yeah, with... Do they do they take shares or do they take like is that is that what the meme economy is about? The meme That's economy. What the meme is economy really- is about. This is what the Bitcoin economy is about. You buy and you hold. You hold until we're all filthy rich. That's how you keep big business, big dollars. This is how you keep the whales away. They can't buy if there's nothing to buy. Hold. Hold the line. So all the memes are about holding. <laughs> They're all about holding and strong hands and mooning. As in, we're taking this to the moon on a rocket ship, and we're all going to get rich. We're all going to make it. That's the principles. <laughs> that's that's what the internet is birthed. Cool. That's that's one man's opinion. Now let me tell you what. Now let me tell you what Jim Cramer thinks. Reading from CNBC. <laughs> just just boomer mentality. These this boomer mentality that's just helping out his fat cat friends in these in these hedgies out here trying to take our money. Edgies. We don't need the old yeah. money. We don't need the old money, baby. We going to the moon. Hold. Because if you sell, guess who buys it? These fat corporate cats buy buy the stock. If you hold it, they can't buy. Wow, I feel like I'm not learning anything, but I, I could be wrong. <laughs> That's the point. You're not supposed to learn anything. You're supposed to throw your money in the wind and then just hold and make memes. That's the don't, point. Don't be a sheeple. Just do what we're saying on this Reddit. Of- <laughs> Oh, it's great. Sorry, read your story about Boomer Kramer and how he's going to tell me about how I need to sell because the because the, the hedgies are getting out. Tell me. Tell me the lies, you've the are, corporate lies. You've already won. Kramer tells investors to take See? home run and sell GameStop. See? See because he's trying to make sure that his that, that his corporate friends can still hit their can still hit their 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 put options and get out without getting burned. But no, we're taking down Wall Street. We're going to hold so that way they never make money. They're going to lose billions because we're never selling. Wow. CNBC's <laughs> Jim Cramer on, fri- on Friday. Com- so ridiculous. 
Sorry, CNBC's Jim Cramer on Friday complimented the retail traders who helped spark the massive run-up in GameStop shares, but advised they take their profits now. Quote, take the home run. Don't go for the grand slam. Take the home run. You've already won. You've won the game. You're done. End quote, Cramer said on Squawk on the Street. Okay. Quote, that's, Please that's don't. the name of show, by the way. He's he's had this show as long as I've been, like at least the last well, 20 Mad, years. Mad Money was his show, right? Yeah, What's there you Spock go. On so the Squawk on the Street, I think, is another. It's a CNBC show that happens when the market is open. My my mother watches a lot of CNBC. So these are all the different he, types of shows that go on while the market Mad is open. Money. Yeah. Mad Money uh, yes. is a wild ride. Yes. It's just him screaming and hitting buttons. <laughs> just, if you ask me, that's a bazooka. I don't know what that is, but that's a bazooka. <laughs> That's what it is. Kramer's been at a long time, but now he's part of the establishment. To the bye, bye, bye. Like he's got yeah. one of those buttons. Sell, sell, sell. Another yeah. one of those buttons. <laughs> exactly. You summed it up. For those who've never yeah, watched yeah. Jim Kramer, that's what it is. He's got, he's got some horses. There. It's like, what does that mean? I don't know. The horses are coming. You got to hit those. That, yeah, I don't know. That means, that means the stock's making a run. All right. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched quite a bit of CNBC in my lifetime. Because like it's always largest, on the background. It's like the largest, way that me and you watch CNN is the way that my mother and other people watch CNBC throughout the day. It's just on in the background. Fair enough. I get that, that that guy commands attention. That doesn't sound like a background show to me. <laughs> yeah. Playing with the playing with the largest children's soundboard. I've seen. Yeah. You know, do they sell that? Do they sell the Jim Cramer soundboard for kids? <laughs> that's basically what it is. Like I could yeah. I could see my my. You know, my niece playing around with that thing, just like smacking buttons and hear random bull noises. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got GameStop. It went from $15 to $300. What do you do? Diamond hands. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm telling you all this. Keep keep reading the story, but I'm telling you, like, I'm, I want to read some of these, some of these profanity laced. I'm excited. I'm excited. Here we go. Post from Wall Street bets. <laughs> and oh. these I would say are probably tame. <laughs> Quote, please don't lose a lot of money on GameStop, end quote, added the Mad Money host Kramer, who's being treated in the hospital for a pinched nerve. That's a twist. Said he called called in to CNBC in hopes of making sure people recognize the potential downside risk in GameStop and other soaring short squeeze stocks. Quote, don't let them get hurt. It's our job, end quote. Make sure people... Make to make sure people know they may get burned if the stock price collapse, he says. Kramer's comments come as GameStop shares were soaring again Friday, up more than 60% to above $300 a piece. The surge follows the decision by Robinhood to allow its users to more freely trade the stock one day after the popular brokerage app restricted buying in GameStop and other stocks that had become incredibly volatile during a wave of retail buying and short squeezes fueled by Reddit's Wall Street Bets Forum. Wall Street... Uh, GameStop and other effective stocks like AMC Entertainment tanked during Thursday's session, though it's worth noting that GameStop has gained 1,500% year to date, <laughs> and AMC has increased 475% in 2021. Quote, congratulations to them. We all wish people can make as much money, and quote, Kramer said that seems i think they left off a word there and quote kramer said of the retail trading traders profiting off the stock surges although he acknowledged he prefers investors doing so through gains in names with better fundamentals like apple and microsoft quote i'm not against anybody who is long who is long the stock and there's no vast conspiracy against me or gamestop or anybody else there's just a very overvalued stock end quote he said 
At the same time, Kramer said he believes GameStop should be using the rapid appreciation in shares price to issue new stock and potentially pay down debt. The company's fiscal fourth quarter ends Saturday. As of October 31st, GameStop's balance sheet contained $269.5 million of short-term debt and $216 million of long-term debt. Jesus Christ, it's a half a billion dollars of debt? (laughs) (laughs) Did not know that. According to the fiscal, that's according to its fiscal quarter, fiscal third quarter earnings release. On December 8th, GameStop filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission to be able to sell common stock from time to time in quote at the in at the market offerings. The stock closed the session before the SEC filing at $16.35 per share. This was December 8th. We are less than two months after that. Kramer said he was concerned about the stability of the rest of the U.S. equity market the longer the frenzied trading continues. Quote, nobody wants to do anything that's com- that's commonsensical here, and you've got these two sides duking it out, and it's just a tragedy that it's going on like this, end quote, Kramer said. Quote, I'm not saying that Reddit is good or bad or that the shorts are good or bad. I'm just saying that the government has to step in and at least try to address the situation so the rest of the market isn't panicked by four stocks that are heavily shorted, end quote. Short selling is a strategy. This is a good article because it kind of explains everything. Short selling is a strategy in which investors borrow shares of stock at a certain price in hopes that the market value will fall below that level when it's time to pay for the borrowed shares. Some of the hedge funds that were short GameStop some of the hedge funds that were short GameStop indicated they've closed their positions. Even so, Kramer said there needs to be more sunlight on what's happened in recent days. Quote, the short seller, let's find out who really covered that short at what price. Let's have some disclosure. Let's have a government investigation of how the trading went so this doesn't happen anymore. End quote. That's it. So I, I, I want to read a few posts here from Wall Street Bet. So, I mean, I can sum this up very quickly. Basically, and for those who don't understand, understand stocks, what Jason said pretty much sums it up. But basically, what you can do is, and the way that hedge funds and people make their money in Wall Street, the day traders make their money, and the big hedge funds make their money, is that they basically predict what a stock is going to do, right? So they say, is this stock going to go above or below a certain price by a certain time? And you can basically buy these, what they call options, that says, hey, I am saying, I'm going to buy this option at X amount of money, right? So normally it's like 30 cents, 20 cents, some type of value. Let me buy the option of buying a stock at this price up until this date, right? So what the big conspiracy is and the way that a lot of major hedge funds, because they have so much money, right? So if you've got a company that's hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, you can dictate what the market does by sort of really heavily putting your money into the guess or a prediction of what a stock is going to do. So what's what happened in this particular case is that a bunch of these kids and grown people on Reddit realized, hey, hedge funds have put major shorts against a bunch of companies. So GameStop, AMC, BlackBerry, Nokia, Tootsie Roll, <laughs> All of these stocks are saying there's major hedge fund play to drive these stocks down. And so what this community did said, what they said and what they did was, you know what? You're not, we don't want you to dictate the market anymore because we'll never, this is the 1% basically closing companies. This is the 1% driving companies into the ground. So like AMC, right? You can't go to the movie theater in most places. 
So they are basically going to bet and they're going to drain AMC of all of their capital because everyone goes, oh, God, look at all this money that they're shorting. This means the stock's going to go down. I got to sell. I got to get out before it collapses. And so what this community did, and this is, and again, I'm surprised this hasn't happened sooner with what's happened on social media over the last five years, is a bunch of people basically banded together and started buying GameStop stocks and options and call options, right? So this is when the stock, this probably started happening end of December, and so they really started pumping this stock because that's what these big hedge funds do. They pump these stocks one way or the other. They make the money and then they get out. Then they leave the company in shambles or they drive the company up, take all of its money away, and then the company drops back down. And who loses then? Normally people like the rest of us who put in money into your 401k or put in money very small amounts of stock options or you know, not even options, just small amounts of shares and stocks and aren't playing options, aren't doing day trading, aren't speculating and gambling on the market. So this whole Reddit community is basically memes and jokes about gambling the stock market. And the whole principle is pretty much, I'm going to throw my money at this thing. And if it hits, awesome. If it doesn't, whatever, who cares? So it's literally gambling. And so they decided to actually organize this gambling and do it for these companies like GameStop, because obviously GameStop is a generational company that pretty much, I mean, you worked at GameStop, right? Yep. So like it's it's a generational where like me and Jason and, and I would say even kids maybe in their early 20s, the people who have money in some way, shape or form, right? So this isn't teens, even though teens are still investing in this stuff, but like the major money of this. So if you're on this message board, you're seeing people put like $500,000 into GameStop shares when it's 13 bucks a share. So stuff that normal traditional marketing or, or market research would tell you that's insane. What are you doing? And they said, no, no, if you guys can pump stocks, we can do it too. We've got an army of autist, so what they call themselves, because they're saying we're all autistic, we're all retards, and these, these are their words. I'm going to read through some of these posts. We're a bunch of retards and autists who are just, they're, we don't care about the rules, we're going to break the rules, because we don't understand them, we're a bunch of idiots, we're going to throw our money into this thing, because we feel that if you get an army of idiots together, we can. you don't have to be smart to do this, is basically what they're saying, is that it doesn't It, it even says here, it says, so I'm on the... Uh, I'm at the Reddit itself, the subreddit, and it's like about the community. Like, like 4chan found a Bloomberg terminal. The, <laughs> <laughs> and then it says um, 6.5 million degenerates. So that's like the, because you could decide like what you want to call somebody registered. And then, uh, so that's, that's how they designate themselves. Like it's very self-aware of what they're doing here. Yes. So, it's not so, like this yeah. is, there. no one's here saying they're Jim Cramer. Yeah, yeah. These people are not saying follow our advice. They're saying we're idiots. Yeah. We are clowns and we're idiots. But if we do this together, we can change it because the, it pretty much proves that as long if you have billions of dollars, that you can completely man, you, the game's not fair. The game's rigged, right? And so basically, why this thing took off so much is that they actually started to move the market. GameStop at some point was at like four hundred bucks. This this stock was at around the teens. And within 21 days to now, to a month in, this stock basically was at an all-time high of 400 450 bucks because they just kept 
pumping money into the stock. So all those people who had those massive shorts saying GameStop's about to go under and quite frankly were driving GameStop to go under and they're spending big bucks to do this basically got outpaced by a bunch of people in social media. Social media banded together and quite like, again, this is just a reaction to the fact of like, they've been bailed out, right? They, they made this play with the, the subprime mortgages and they got bailed out, right? There's no punishment for Wall Street and for hedge funds. People, the 1%, this is how they get rich. They destroy the rest of our livelihoods, but they get rich by pumping these stocks. And so screw that. We'll do this as a community and we'll pump this stock up. So the reason why this blew up, right, is because there's there's trading platforms, right? If you have most likely if you have a 401k in the States or, or, or any type of retirement account, it's inside of a brokerage. So there's Fidelity, there's TD Ameritrade, there's Charles Schwab, and there's a relatively newcomer called Robinhood. So the whole point of Robinhood was, hey, you know, we're giving the little guy a chance, what they call the retail market, which is me and you. So not the not the after hours corporate market, but the retail market, like me and you can walk into a shop with our 10 bucks and say, give me one share of this stock, please. There's, they basically say, hey, we're trying to give power to the retail market. So all of these kids are using Robinhood, and that's what they use to rapidly buy these stocks because it gave you sort of the same speed and the same accessibility that the big guys had. And of course, Robinhood never expects anyone to flood the market with this type of activity because if you have this much money, you would just do this. You, you know, you'd be your own brokerage firm. You have connections to spend money like this if you're a traditional fat cat. But if you're a kid with 60 bucks or you're a kid with a thousand bucks or I mean, even some of these guys, 500, $750,000, it's not billions, right? So they were going to Robinhood and basically rapidly buying these stocks. And Robinhood is actually owned by one of these. They've got, you know, they do a lot of their buying and selling through one of these big brokers. And so at some point, Robinhood stopped the ability to buy GameStop stock. Because they said, well, oh, you know, we don't, the 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 market activity is a little unusual, so we're going to stop you from buying because we don't know what happens. And of course, social media goes, oh, so when we start to win, the corporations then cut us off and say, you can't buy any more stock. And that's when this hit the news, because that's when you had AOC and Ted Cruz actually agreeing on something, which is like, someone needs to look into Robin Hood. Why is the little guy being shut out of buying stocks? And then AOC is like, hey, uh, Ted Cruz, you can go to hell. Um, yeah, that was a great movie. <laughs> she was like, yeah, you tried to get me killed uh, three weeks ago. So <laughs> you can help me by resigning. <laughs> and so this started hitting politicians. And it was probably the first time in four years that everyone kind of agreed, like, wait a minute. When social media actually starts to punish the 1%, they start to close off the means for the little guy to buy buy stocks. And to get into the market because everyone started to get into the market. Wow. Well, they're actually manipulating the stock price, but they're doing it legally. They're just on Reddit telling each other, we're going to the moon, boys, get in now and hold on and just buy, buy, buy. And we're never selling. Just keep buying because if you keep buying, the, the billionaires are going to lose money. They're going to have to dump money. And so that's where we are now. We are literally at this standoff. Between hedge funds who have – they're trying to decide what do they do. Do they do they try to hold on to those to those puts that they have or do they start to leverage you know, to try to actually offset some of their losses and actually start trying to pump the stock up? 
they do that, the little guy's going to get rich because the little guy bought it at this thing anywhere from 300 bucks to 10 bucks, right? So Wall Street is at an impasse of what to do because if they keep pumping the stock up, you're going to lose money. But if you start putting money into it to try and recoup some of your losses, the little guy's going to make a killing. You're going to make millionaires. I sent Jason this image of this dude on Reddit who bought these shares for basically like 12 bucks a share a month ago at $750,000. He has now made upwards of $46 million. And so this is what's happening. So with all that explained, right, so we are now at the weekend. So this has been on social media of just meme after meme after meme after today. And this has been wildly fluctuating throughout the day. And we're at the weekend because what, what the market hopes happens is that what Kramer said, right? Kramer basically said, hey, take your wins now. You've made a bunch of money. Get out. That actually helps the short sellers. If you start to sell and try to take your profits off the table, the stock goes down. There's more stock available. There's more shares available. The price starts to come back to earth, which helps the big guys. And so now what these kids are saying and what these people are saying, really, because it's not just kids, it's people at this point, are saying, if we do that, you win. I'll never sell. I'll watch this thing tank into the ground as long as you lose. Right. So like they're literally playing chicken with Wall Street. So the first thing I'm going to read and I'm going to say, excuse my language, because I am reading from Reddit. I don't want to censor it. I'm just going to read what these kids are saying. Right. So that article you just read, right, that says you've won. Kramer tells investors to take home run and sell GameStop. The first post on Reddit that's actually linking to this article says, fuck you, Kramer, we'll, we'll never sell. And there's a rocket ship emoji after it. <laughs> so these are the people you're dealing with. Um, what's one of these posts? All right. Why this weekend is crucial, right? Okay. Listen up, retards. I know it's Friday and some of you short-term monkey brains are thinking about bailing on your brothers. Your paper hands are beginning to cramp up. I get it, but we cannot sell. There are massive amounts of shorts on dollar sign GME, which is GameStop's call sign till we till still well over 113% of total shares floated from S3 partners. Some old shorts have gotten out, but many new shorts have taken their place in the past couple days, hoping that GME will die out. Here's the key part. They are literally praying for us to sell our shares and end this entire thing today. They are hoping that they can make back their money at our expense because every single day that they hold their short positions is costing them billions of dollars collectively. Billions a day. All we need to do is hold. That's it. We will cost them so much money today, next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and on and on. Soon enough, they won't be able to pay the cost of their shorts, or it just won't be worth the cost anymore, and they will all eventually have to bail. That is going to be the squeeze. Once the cost keeps adding up, they will start to bail and the rest will follow. We must stay strong. Don't forget what they've done to us. It's a game of chicken. Whoever blinks first loses. We're not fucking blinking. These are the people who are who are basically crumbling Wall Street right now. Next post, you're witnessing hedge funds panic. Don't sell. Look at all the moves they're doing, manipulating down the pre-market pricing daily, trying to shut down free markets so we can't buy and only sell. This stock is holding up against Wall Street trying to make this thing crash. And guess what? All their tricks aren't working. They know they're fucked. They are desperate moves done by people who know they are backed into a corner. We have them right where we want them. Let's finish this thing. Buy more if you still have funds available and only hold if you're maxed out like me. 
what is this? Uh, people are risking their lives to wage war against the suits, and it brings tears to my eyes. This is not hyperbole. Money is, isn't just paper to buy cocaine and hookers. It is a physical representation of a portion of a man's life. Make fifty thousand a year at a soul sucking desk job. Taking fifty thousand, take a fifty thousand dollar position on GME is risking a year off of your life to fight this good fight. The amount of years so many of you are willing to put on the line is an amazing testament to how dedicated this subreddit is to making these or uh, to fucking these bastards raw. These bastards who steal thousands of years off the regular man's lives every single day. You are fighting the good fight and your sacrifices will not be forgotten. There's a diamond sides emoji, there's a hands emoji, there's a rocket emoji, and a moon emoji. So diamond hands to the moon. <laughs> so that's that's what. <laughs> Modern day hieroglyphics there. Love it. This this is what has basically anyone over the age of 40. And quite frankly, I'm going to say anyone over the age of 35 because I'm still a little confused. Anyone over the age of 40 being like, uh, this is what this is what the last four years of our media and our news has brought. Because this is people looking at what you would consider the establishment and the way things work. And very smart people figuring out how do we undo this? And they're using social media to do it. I would argue that every single thing, everything you're seeing right here is the reason why Donald Trump got the chance to be your president. Whether you agree with him or his policies or whatever, right? None of that matters. It's literally looking at the establishment and looking, how do I break it? And so as far as Wall Street is concerned... It looks like these clowns on Reddit have figured out how to break the stock market, get a bunch of people together and say, you know what? You're screwed anyways. You've got $200,000 in student loans. You lost your job because of COVID. Take your savings, throw it into the wind. We're going to do this together. Let's go to war together. We live together. We die together. We ride together. We die together. Bad boys for life is what, what this is. And it's amazing to watch. So I bought a share of games of GameStop because quite frankly, there's something real empowering about just watching this happen because you just don't know what to do. Regular market research and all of this stuff is out of the window when this happens, like years and years of, well, if you do this in the stock market and you follow the fundamentals, or if you understand candlesticks and understand trends and all that stuff, if you can go on social media and start an army to take over a stock. You can't predict what's going to happen next. You have no idea what's going to happen next. So I'm personally surprised that this hasn't happened sooner. Yeah. Jason Schreier, who's a video game journalist, posted on Monday when the climb literally was a wall, you know, um, and it went up to 150, like in in minutes. The uh, he wrote the entire U.S. economy is based on nonsense, like a house found like like a house foundation made up entirely of peanut brittle. Which I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I'm, you know, uh, the, he does, he does some good reports. Gets a little out there sometimes, but the uh, but I thought that was a great analogy. I thought it was really fucking funny. And yeah, the the, the, the I the stock market is gambling. It is. It's all. It's always been gambling. It's gambling with which you could say maybe a little bit of knowledge, but it's all gambling, and it's they're mostly safe, gambling. And, and just like any, you know, there's safe. There's safer bets, but then there's also yes. not very safe bets. Absolutely, but and I would say that a lot of companies like Netflix and Apple and Tesla at one point would be considered kind of a gamble, right? It's new technology. Absolutely. 
it's stuff that you don't know whether it's going to work. And There's even just- now, because you don't know how long Netflix is going to last. Like, look at we just talked about Toys R Us. Yep. You know, yep. wasn't that a Toys R Us? Company a long time ago was a real solid standard stock. You could put yeah. money in Toys, Toys R Us in the nineties. Toys R Us nineties is a behemoth. Block, like, blockbuster, same thing, right? Yeah. Like all of these companies, and then there's companies like Coca-Cola or Johnson & Johnson and Pfizer and some of these really big corporations, right? That, again, the stock market is, and I would say that based on the pandemic, the stock market doesn't actually reflect our economy, which is what people started to realize more than ever, right? Because you would say, hey, people aren't working, we're locked down, you know, no one's going to make money, right? We're all in this together. We're all going to stay at home and get rid of this virus, yet the stock market dipped a bit. And then we have all-time highs in 2020. And so people are looking around going, wait a minute, that's the 1% getting rich by basically selling and trading and gambling on companies and, quite frankly, gambling on our livelihoods, right? If you work at Toys R Us or you work at GameStop and this is your job, this is how you feed your family, and some guy on Wall Street is basically betting and driving your company that's paying your bills to crash. So they can get rich. Mm-hmm. Like that's where this all comes from. So I sent Jason this list because last thing I want to say about the, like there's a bunch of lingo and slang for this. So someone has written up now that the, so this subreddit went from a million people, I believe, like a million or one point six million to over six point over six point five million people in like twenty four hours. Because now, right. If you're on, if you're on CNN and you didn't know what any of this stuff was, of course you're going to watch, right? So where you're going to get all your information, and it's 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 utter lunacy reading. Again, I read those posts, and those were the tame ones, right? Yeah. Like those are the ones that were tame. And if you read this lingo of like what all of these things mean, right? So like, okay, first let's go over the, the lingo and slang. Well, let's explain. So start, let's just back off yeah. one more time here because Reddit. <laughs> Because I feel like a lot of people are also becoming privy to Reddit. Reddit yeah, for the yeah, first which is time interesting. Because Reddit's been alone for a long time, but it's yeah, Red, yeah. Reddit's great. So Reddit's great. Reddit is it's really great and just it's awful at the same time. Yeah, it's everything. Reddit, yeah, exactly. Reddit is anything you want, and that is like literally, literally anything you want. If you want to find something about uh, like something on on the internet, you can find it on Reddit. It is a message board. It is a network of message boards. And it's, you know, it's just very easy to access. There's a lot of apps that are good to access. Like I, I go on Reddit every day. All right. Yep. It's and again, this is, one of, this is one of the things that I, I stayed off a lot during my 2020 break. But I, it's hard I found because Toys everything is on Reddit. Like literally, like even there's stuff for like how to learn how to code Python. Like there's all sorts of stuff on Reddit. You could learn. It's very similar to. I mean, I would say it's like the YouTube of message boards, really. Yeah, yeah, it's a great. Way you to can. It, I yeah. mean, it, with with a giant large side of X-rated content. <laughs> so there's. It's all of it. It's everything. It's the and, and there is a very specific Reddit, like subreddit for everything. So a subreddit is basically going to be the name of a community. Like that's it. You go to Reddit.com and you'll see the 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 highest trending things across everything. But yeah, you could find some really messed up shit. Well, I mean, look, a lot of the Trump it. stuff, a lot of that stuff, I would argue, probably would had a giant community on Reddit. Yeah, the what was it? The, the Dom- yeah, yeah. So there's a subreddit where all of these Trump people got together and were had these super extreme views, they and they down. were and they shut it down, right? So Reddit's Reddit's having the same social media problems that Facebook 
And but it takes um, a lot. It takes a lot. It, it takes a lot because it is. There it's is. because again, there's super. There's super liberal things on Reddit. There's super conservative things on Reddit. There's there was super misogynistic things. There's super LGBTQ rights. Like it's all of it. It's literally just human existence on this thing. Yeah. So when you get into a subreddit, there's your there's usually rules specific to that subreddit. So although interface everything all looks the same, they all operate differently. And if you and want all to moderate it by generally a different group of people, although I think a lot of them are moderated by the same people, <laughs> but in general, well, depends where you yeah. go. Yeah. Like, I don't think, I don't think the people who are moderating wall street bets are the same people moderating the Nintendo switch subreddit. I don't think they're the same people, so, <laughs> but you never know, but they could be right. That's the thing. They could be. I'm sure there's overlap. Problem. I'm sure there's overlap, but I don't think they're the moderators. You know, this, <laughs> this seems like a full-time job moderating this shit, but <laughs> or, the, it, it wasn't, but now it definitely is because they are at being asked for, reports they're being asked for news interviews now because this thing's blown up the way that it has yeah so there's so there's rules so so john's got this list of things and this is basically like if you want what this is basically saying is if you're going to interact and be part of this community then these are this is basically the world you're entering and the rules we follow and the language we speak yeah so i want to read this right so this guy whose name is No Salute, says, I've been a member of this sub since we were at 400,000 subscribers. I'm known for never getting the fuck off this sub and collecting taxpayer money as I do it. Seriously, you'll see me here 24 fucking seven, even when I'm in quotes working. I'm going to give you a quick rundown of Wall Street Bets culture for you newcomers to get acclimated, or if you're a CNBC boomer, not knowing what the fuck is going on in this sub. So first of all, let's go over the lingo and slang. FD, FD, right? So just FD, stands for the F word. No, not fuck. The other F word. Delight. So it's FD delight. And I don't know what the other F word is, but that's what makes it funny. To buy an FD is to buy a weekly option that is so fucking retarded it might just work. (laughs) So retard. It means you're fucking stupid and don't know what the fuck you're doing. Autistic. Use autistic to describe someone that actually does due diligence and knows what they are doing. Right? So they're basically saying we're a bunch of autists. Because we do know what we're doing, but then we're a bunch of retarders. We're doing stuff that's nuts, and no one knows. And you know, we don't we don't know what we're doing. Um, let's see. I'll, I'll go through some of these. So, diamond hands. It means that you'll never sell. Your hands are literally made of diamonds. And then there's toilet paper hands. You sell at the slightest. You you sell at the slightest red tick because you're over leveraged and you are a pussy. <laughs> let's see what else is on here. Uh, smooth brain is a, is, a, is a good one. Apparently, the grooves in your so smooth brain. The definition is apparently the grooves in your brain determines your intelligence. To have a smooth brain means to have no grooves, which means you are fucking retarded. Um, BTFD means buy the fucking dip. So something Warren Buffett said. Uh, Tindies is money. Mooning means either either means the stock went up 005 percent or six hundred percent. Drilling or drill team six means either the stock went down negative 0.05% or down 50%. Uh, We like the stock. So it's a recent meme popularized by Jim Cramer in regards to GameStop when he tried to imitate Wall Street Bets users. Uh, What else is on here? You don't want to read that Uh, Jerome Powell slash daddy? I missed that. (laughs) The the chairman of the Federal Reserve blessed us with 0% interest rate, causing stocks to only go up. Literally prints money. Because you'll see money printer goes burr. You'll see a lot of that <laughs> when it comes to this of like, hey, we're just printing money at this point. The government's just printing money. So we're just going to make money. We just throw stuff at the wind. 
Um, so buy high and sell low is what you do as a newcomer. So when you're just starting in stocks, you buy at the highest price and you sell at the lowest because you don't know what you're doing. Um, so this guy, this username, Deep Fucking Value, is an artist who held GME for nearly two years. That's the guy that turned this stock into millions of dollars. Um, so yeah, then there's a bunch of gangs on here. There's the Bear Gang, the Gay Bears, the Virgin Traders. These guys get hard when stocks go down. Um, note: Gay Bear is not an alternative to calling someone a retard. Being called Gay Bear is a thousand is a hundred times worse. True story. So, like, this is the type of language that you're dealing with, right? These are the people. Um, so, and the very first thing is, the very first comment is, this would be so helpful if I could read. <laughs> like, these are like these are the people that you're dealing with. So, again, this is, it's just so interesting to me because it's so insane. Wait, 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 wait. I, got, I just got the, the end of this post. Too long didn't read. This sub was created to lose money. Nothing here is financial <laughs> advice. <laughs> So that's the thing. It's almost like, and again, I, I believe there's some really smart people on here. I mean, look, I just refreshed this subreddit. And again, it's just memes. There's a Bart Simpson meme. We lost 70 billion, which is that's the hedge fund. And then the Wall Street bet says, you lost 70 billion so far. Like these people are taking delight in basically going, we have nothing to lose. So whatever, let's just throw our money at this thing. As long as Wall Street goes down too, we win. Yeah, and it's nuts. It's nuts. Power, to the, power it, to the people. It is. Power it's to group, the people. It's group think. It shows you how something like Trump can happen, and you could say, "Well, this is how it could happen for the good," but it's all from the same thing. It's from the same sort of the establishment doesn't get to tell us what to do, and they're printing money. This is all fake. It doesn't matter. We're going to use bad language. We're going to say socially, you know, like you said, what what was it that Trump Trump um, he ran on? What was it? There was a phrase that you said, like they're they're his his um, supporters, his base ran on this thing. I forget uh, what it was the, the Donald? No, that was the no summer. no no no. F your feelings. Oh fuck your feelings! Yeah yeah yeah. That's, yeah. They, so, like, that's what they ran off like, when, when he won. When he won. That's what I mean. They when said, he won. Fuck your feelings. Yes, because it's like, well, I don't. Yeah, yeah, we won because the establishment is all about unity. Yes, exactly. So when they lose, it's all about unity. But that's kind of the point, right? It is sort of this win at all cost. Prove, prove that we as a community, whether that community is full of white supremacists or people buying stocks, it's we can change whatever we want to. They can't stop us as long as we have an army of people together and we're going to use bad language. We're going to curse. We're going to, you know, say things that you can consider homophobic or racist or all these different things. Right. So it's interesting now because it's actually working, but a bunch of people are going to lose money doing this because they just are. And it seems like a lot of them just don't care. They just want to be along for the ride. They just want to be in it for the lulls. And if you lose money, who cares? You were going to lose it anyways. But there's a good chance you might go from seven hundred and fifty thousand to forty nine million. Yep. Sounds Diamond right. hands, baby. Stay strong. <laughs> I'm out. I'm not. <laughs> Again, I own it. a share because three hundred bu- or two hundred ninety bucks. A little anarchist in me. Kind of want to see yeah. what happens. Right? I, I like, that, like uh, I mean, I'm someone who's talked about cryptocurrency. That's got that comes from the same thing, as in you know this centralized. You know, the Federal Reserve just prints money whenever it wants to. It bailed out, 
you know, bailed out all these companies when they were basically selling mortgages for zero for zero down for no money. And then we're the ones who have to pay as taxpayers. No, no, no. The government can't just print money. The whole concept of Bitcoin is there's only so much Bitcoin. So you can't just keep making more of it. The government can't just falsify how much money there is out there. I believe that they printed more money in 2020 than than has ever existed in U.S. history. So, like, we're headed towards this where you can sort of, like, money is just kind of fake. It's just numbers in the machine. And so people are starting, very smart people are realizing this is all fake. It doesn't mean anything. And it only means something if we sit there and allow them to to control us. So we're just going to go so out of left field, they don't even know what to do. If you've been studying the stock market for 60 years and you see this happens, this has to blow your mind. Oh, yeah. It has to. Yeah. There was, I I won't forget, I was sitting next to somebody on a train, somebody I went to high school with, and it was like after we started working, so it was after college, and I was just like, some guy, I wasn't really friends with him, just somebody I knew, and he, and I was like, so what do you do? do?" And he was telling me that he just basically works for this company that just trades stocks, and I was like, well, so what's the goal? It's like, no, just, they give us money and we trade. I was like, I don't understand. He's like, well, we have the fastest connection to the market so we can buy and sell trades faster than any other <laughs> company i was like all right so like what's the goal it's like nothing they give us money and we and we basically have to turn into more money yep. it's like that's a fucking business what the i don't understand well i mean it's it's like wolf of wall street right like all of that is extremely and i would say to young people younger people right that's you see that this is telling you the history of how people got rich in the 70s and 80s and 90s and it's literally lie cheat and steal as long as you can make money and that's what a lot of this stuff is like you said it's the fastest connection it's a bunch of algorithms and a lot of it is hey we've got enough capital to drive we dictate what the market does when you're a hedge fund and you're making billions and billions of dollars I dictate the market. If I want a company to crash, I'll make that company crash. And it's all just to gain another billion, right? Like the amount of monies we're talking about is so insane. It's not someone putting their $50,000, you know, yearly, their their annual salary into something like this, right? Well, that might break up. I mean, again, that might ruin someone's life, 50 grand. And yet these guys are playing with billions, and so if they lose a billion, doesn't matter, we'll print more. And so concentrated part, orange juice, right? Comes down yeah, to that. The, again, there's part of me that's just like, this is like, this is kind of like this hopefully actually builds some regulations and some, you know, what is stock manipulation? And you think if the government is serious, and again, the Democrats, it's interesting because I think the Democrats are gonna foam at the mouth at this. Because I think that they've wanted to curb a lot of this for so long. But a lot, I mean, what was one thing that Trump always said during his presidency? Stock market's at an all-time high. Everyone's making money. Stock stock prices are higher than ever with my presidency. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is because it's not nearly regulated the way that it should be. So these companies have been allowed to just make maximum profits. I'd argue Amazon has been able to make profits the way that it has by basically trading, buying, selling companies like, like you would baseball cards. Yeah, but Amazon is one of the few that's valued at a level that makes sense. Yes, exactly. I mean, I would say Apple, the same thing with Apple. Like, I would say a lot of these companies are valued at a level yeah, that the, makes sense. The thing with sense. the stock market is it's very strange. Like, you have you have AMD, right? We were talking about that earlier today. And they released record earnings, right? And yet the stock is down like 20%. You're like, why? Why is it down? 
you guys are there. It's a great company. It's doing great. Like this doesn't reflect the reality of what's happening with the company. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The stock price really has nothing to do with the company, but if you drive the stock price hard enough and your company is teetering between being insolvent and actually staying afloat like GameStop and AMC are, these guys can crush a company. And I think this community saw that, wait a minute, they've got massive puts against GameStop, a company that we have so many memories of, right? Like, hey, waiting in line for a special release game. And, you know, yeah, GameStop might have gave it might have given me a dollar for my trade in. But that's still, you know, I I just like the stock. Right. That's the joke. Like, well, I just like the company. I just like the stock, which is why I'm going to throw all of my money to the wind and see if we can boost this thing back up. So that way these guys don't kill our childhood and at the same time get rich doing it because yeah. a lot of this is saying well look after they lose billions i don't really care what happens to gamestop if it crashes it means the company sucked <laughs> right so like it's, it's just really this irrational it's always interesting like i always say like you can't a lot of people like anytime there's like let's say there's a school shooting or a big tragedy right 9-11 people ask question why how did this happen why did this happen and it's us trying to put rational thought to irrational action and that's exactly what this is. What these people are doing is irrational. There's no fun. There, there's no mathematical science in this. It's irrationally throwing your money into the wind and hoping that if you can convince enough people to join you, that you can all get rich together. And that's what this is. There's no rationality to trying to figure this out. So that's why it's super interesting. But I think this is gonna. Sh- you're gonna see more stuff like this. This is where social media is going. This is what allowed Donald Trump to be president. And this is what's going to allow for Wall Street to change. I think I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see something along these lines happen with like housing in area like countries like New Zealand or areas like San Francisco or New York, where a lot of young people right now cannot afford to buy homes and they're renting or they're living with their parents. Like if we keep doing this, people are going to throw away the conventional, well, you got to put money into your 401k and you've got to invest responsibly. And they're going to go, what does it matter? doesn't matter anyways. I'm going to be broke anyways. I might as well get rich or die trying. And that's where we are. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah. Time is strong, baby. So, the, this is actually good, so we could talk a little bit about like transition a little bit to the reddish, bluish, blackish, Jewish stuff. Because I, I had some other things lined up, but again, I'll just keep pushing it back. Um, I had just a, I still have that QAnon story, and I got. Uh, Wait, that's not going away. Now, now <laughs> I got now I got a list that's growing, which is uh, Biden's forty-two executive actions. So we could have gone through yeah, that. Yeah, basically wiped away Trump's presidency. Yeah, but I, I am curious instead to keep on this path which is what do you think what do you think the regulation is that falls on we could do that next week so what but for this one like what do you think the regulation is that hits this because the the concern i mean i could i could read from uh like dave uh, you know all dave's uh note there about what um about what biden administration is going to do and why it's awful and he quoted a fucking 4chan post <laughs> so it's like this is the regulation that's going to happen they don't want people winning and all these other things but the main players that are at fault so who who's everybody unanimously unanimously opposed to right it seems to be there's a you know there's a pretty united front that robin hood was in the wrong by hmm. 
stopping activity for the for people investing in the app because these are the guys because one it's i mean cuomo had the guy on and interviewed him last night i didn't watch it yeah. but i guess that, yeah i uh, saw parts of it and he was just like well why would you stop this and the guy kind of kind of hemmed and hawed a bit because the truth is is that he's backed by a major and cuomo said this and he goes well you're backed by a major hedge fund so obviously this looks like to the people that you stop this because your your investors we're telling you we're losing money. Put a stop to this. Yeah. And so they shut down the little man's ability to buy. Right. Exactly. And that's from a from an app called Robinhood, which is ironic. Then, so you got that. Then there's the hedge fund people that people have no sympathy for and the short selling and the practice of it, but also the losses and like, who are you protecting? So now they're like, oh, well, then they're going to bail out the hedge fund. It's like, well, why would you bail out the hedge fund? So then you could say, well, the only rational explanation of why you would bail out the hedge fund, because if we can all collectively agree that it's gambling, right? Yes. Then you would say, well, they made a bet and they lost. You're not bailing out anybody who loses in a casino. And it's the same thing. So the, but the only valid argument that I see against is that, well, a lot of people's like 401k, it does it can affect other people down the road because of, you know, like the Madoff thing, right? It goes down to that. So who gets regulated here? Is there a restriction on buying? Do you, do you restrict the buying power of the people to make this sort of artificial inflation to protect the hedge funds? Do you restrict the hedge fund from shorting stocks like this? Do you maybe reduce the transparency so people can't see the shorts that are happening and and take that and uh and make that more murky or do you put restrictions or do you put regulations on apps like Robinhood? it's like no you gotta it's all or nothing you either let people do it or you don't you can't just pick and choose well so so i would say the best thing to point to this and again the thing is I don't, i'm trying to search for like a very short way of doing this but the person who ran on this platform of Wall Street regulation and why she lasted so long in the presidential race is Elizabeth Warren, right? So Elizabeth Warren has always said that Wall Street now is running amok. And the problem is, is that they're under to sort of lend money. They're able to borrow money that they don't have. These hedge funds are able to make these giant bets and legally loot a lot of you know the private industry for their own profits and gains. So that's what needs to be curbed. So again, I don't have this, I don't have like a short one sentence way. Maybe you can look on her, on her Twitter. Um, but she's got this on this team Warren medium account from July 19th, 2019. There's a giant article. That's my plan to reign in wall street. Um, so she sort of goes through of how wall street hurts the broader, uh, hurts the broader economy. So the purpose of the financial sector is to connect savers with borrowers as an efficient as possible, um, as efficiently as possible and to spread, and to spread risk. A growing financial sector can help the rest of the economy if it helps connect more people more efficiently and spreads risk more effectively. But as several studies have shown, past a certain point, the growth of the financial sector undermines the rest of the economy by extracting money from it without producing any real value. America is well past that point. For example, a recent study found that when private credit grows to the point where it exceeds the GDP, it becomes a drag on productive on productivity growth. Private credit in America has exploded past that benchmark. It is between 160% and 210% of GDP for the last 20 years. The study also found when the financial sector represents more than 3.5% of total employment, further increases in the financial sector size tend to, de- tend to be detrimental to growth. We've 
blown past that one too. In 2016, the financial sector represented more than 5% of total employment. So basically, and again, this article goes on, but what she's basically saying is the financial sector doesn't actually give any benefit, right? It doesn't help you get a job, unless you're in finance, right? It doesn't help you get more products for your small business, right? So it's not actually putting money into the economy to make the rest of us more wealthy. And it shows because the wealth gap is growing, right? So banks and these big hedge funds corporations have more money than ever, but our wages are going up slower, right? They're paying less taxes. They're able to sort of borrow money and make leverage plays against other companies, win off of those companies' failure or success, and then keep doing it. They don't actually benefit as in saying, great, I got this money. This money goes directly into Joe Schmo's pocket so he can start up a trucking business. That's not what's happening right now. So when Trump says, hey, we're making more money than ever, the economy's great, the economy doesn't actually represent what's actually happening on the ground. I mean, I think most people understand this as in, you know, the guy in the middle of the country, when Trump's saying, I'm going to bring your oil job back, and on paper, it looks like the oil companies are doing better than ever. Hey, the economy's better than ever. We're making money. That guy still loses his job because the plant still closes because he's not actually getting paid more. The business isn't expanding more. It's that their coffers are filling and that they're able to make more of these leverage plays to make money by basically gambling. You're gambling on the success or failure of companies. And that doesn't actually benefit the economy. It doesn't push forward climate change initiatives. It doesn't you know, make us more productive as far as building our own goods, right? So all the stuff Trump said, we weren't building and manufacturing more stuff in the US. Those jobs are gone. But those companies are still doing very well, right? Because they are able to get an influx of money. They're able to borrow that money. They're able to open up factories all over the world. And then, hey, American company making big money. But you're not, though. You're not actually helping the economy. You're just helping the corporations. So I'm not sure if you found her Twitter page, but she kind of sums this up, I think, on her Twitter. I mean, she's had a couple of posts today or the last couple of days talking about this specifically. Um, yeah, it talks a lot about SEC regulation, although yeah. stuff I couldn't really find. Yeah. So again, she is she was the candidate that was saying, I understand this stuff. And if you elect me for president, we are going to massively restrict and put more regulations on what these hedge funds are able to do to make money. And that's why Trump was, again, Trump has made his money lending and borrowing money, right? He doesn't actually, his his wealth doesn't come from, right, he's real estate, but those jobs are all kind of showing that he doesn't make money on them. He's making money by lending and borrowing money, but he adds no value to the economy. And he's not the only one. That's how most of these hedge fund guys really make money. It's gambling. It's gambling with with knowing what cards are coming up, right? Being able to say, hey, I want to play blackjack, but give me an ace and a 10. Yeah. So it says here, like this is what she posted on the 27th. So it's two days ago. She said, uh, with stocks soaring, the millions are out of work and struggling to pay the bills. It's not, it's not news as a start, stock market doesn't reflect our actual economy. For years, the same hedge funds, private equity firms, and wealthy investors dismayed by GameStop trades have treated the stock market like their own personal casino while everyone else pays the price. It's long past time for the SEC and other financial regulators to wake up and do their job. And with a new administration and Democrats running Congress, I intend to make sure they do. But it doesn't say like who that impacts. Is that is that to so does that in turn, this is where Democrats are gonna kind of fuck themselves, right? 
because by putting on this regulation and putting these guys in check, people are going to lose a lot of money and not just the people who am I wrong in making that statement where well again I would say people lose people who are in the stock market will lose but anybody with a 401k that's what I mean but potentially right because and again that's the threat right from these hedge funds of well it's not our money you're going to make these people lose their money and again I think the regulation is just the extent that they're able to do this I would say that the amount that you're able to borrow is going to go down right if you're a hedge fund you're not going to be able to just play with because again, hedge funds playing with our money. Really, it's playing with the money that's in your four hundred one k. It's playing with the money that's in a retirement account that you've set up or in an educational account that you set up with your kids. Right, like money in the bank is what they're playing with, and the bank is printing money. Like they're, again, they're just numbers, right? Like when's the last time you saw an actual paycheck where the money hits your hand? Like it just doesn't happen. You get a number in your bank account, and that's what you have. So that's so again. I don't think. I think the threat is that regulation is going to make all of us lose money. But I would say there's a good, there's a better chance that that regulation stops their ability to make this massive money. And you need to put regulations that means that they can't punish us for having that done to them. Like right. you got to put regulations both directions. It's regulations about how much of this actually gets affected by 401ks and those types of accounts, and how much of those are coming out of, like she said, hedge funds wealthy private investors, the amount of tax that corporations pay, right? All the stuff that Trump stripped away is why they're all making massive money in the stock market. Because guess what? If you're able to make billions and billions of dollars, you should be paying more taxes than you are. That makes it less lucrative for you to do so. Yeah. So, yeah, like I think that's, and the Democrats have always sort of wanted this and the threat has always been, well, then you're going to take away that guy's job. But I think there's enough people after COVID who say, well, they're no, I don't think, I don't think this results in taking away anybody's job, maybe hedge funds downscale a little bit, but I do think that there would be a, I, I think that the, the way that the stock market is rising, but the realities of the on the ground situation are really strange and counterintuitive to the point that there does need to be a correction. I think it just shows, like you said, the stock market is not our economy. It's something else. Because I would say the U.S. economy is struggling. We're in a recession. Things are not going very well. But the stock market is at all-time highs. So what do you do with those two things? There's obviously a disconnect there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm too stupid to really have an answer. I don't even know why I posed the question. But you know what? For now, follow these idiots on Reddit. And uh, at least if you go down, you've got memes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, enough of that shit. Let's uh, move on to a little media therapy here. Start off with a question. I said before, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this one. All right. Who's older? I feel like you're going to appreciate it too. Lance Reddick. Ooh, that's Paul a good Giamatti. one. Oh, that's a good one. I know you're a big fan of The Wire. Oh, but he, and he looks great too. And I'm, and I'm a big fan of... Every movie that he cameos in. And video game. He's in a bunch of video games, too. He's, he's uh, got to be older, but I would, I would guess that he's in his 60s, but he doesn't look it. So hold on. Let me think about this. Because I would say he looks like he's mid-50s. I would say he looks like he's around Paul Giamatti's age. He's around 53, 54, 55. The bald head, right? The glasses yeah, all add a bit of age to you. All right? They always add a bit of age to you. But he still looks great got a great great facial structure great he's got a great head for being bald too like not too pointy not too misshapen it's got good teeth 
yeah, great. I mean, he's a good, good looking guy. So I'm going to say he's older. I'm going to say that he looks like he's 54, 55, but I'm going to guess he's like 63. So you're right. He is older and he is 58 years old. Wow. Okay. Five years older than Paul Giamatti. Yeah. 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 But that's a good one because yeah, yeah. Like he's, he definitely looks like he's younger than he is, but I've seen him in enough stuff for long enough that you can kind of tell, because if you know someone's career, you're like, well, he's been around a little longer from you know so doesn't have that many acting credits for the amount of shit that he appears in i think he's racking them up now more recently because his total acting credits is only 99 yeah and again the wire was a big one right that's where i knew him from is the wire and i think he was in oz as well and and you know he's been in he's been in quite a bit of pretty big as hbo was coming into mainstream he was a face you could sort of see and go oh yeah he was in he was in lost for a little while um yeah so he's been around and i kind of always see him more as a tv guy than a movie guy personally yeah and i see him in a lot of uh in a lot of games yeah 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 he's in uh yeah he, he does a whole lot of uh voice work he showed up in quantum break voice both as a uh voice actor and as an actor because they had like these little TV breaks in there as well. We have like these 30 minute uh, live action shorts, but yeah, he's, uh, and he's got a pretty prominent role in destiny too. And that's here. I just remember him being in that, uh, being in that 50 cent game. Yeah. I just saw this 50 cent blood on the sand. Yeah, that's it. That that's was, all I remember from being in video game games. where uh, 50 cent does a con does a concert in the middle East. You're supposed to get paid in like this diamond skull and then you got to go and then they take it and you got to go get it back. Yeah. Yeah, I just remember I just remember him being in that game. Um, yeah, he had a couple of games, didn't he? Yeah, he was Maybe in uh, Fifty Cent. Yeah, he had Bulletproof, and then he had Blood on the Sand. Bulletproof was apparently not good. Blood on the Sand was apparently pretty good. Yeah, and then he uh, and then he was also in that Def Jam fighting game. <laughs> so, which one? There's a bunch of them: Def Jam Vendetta, Fight for New York, and then there was Fight a for New York. Crappy one. I think he was Fight for New York was apparently the best one, and then they did. Um, Def Jam icon. I don't know why I know this off the top of my head, but I do. And uh, they, uh, the night that game was very poorly received, and that was the last one. So they ended on a sour note. EA just they they had a bit of a rough patch there. Sometimes they just they make a great game, then they make a great and even better follow up, and then they just if if it goes dormant and then comes back, I, my expectations are usually pretty low. Mirror's Edge yeah. Catalyst was not the Mirror's Edge success that i wanted i didn't hate it as much as a lot of people have i guess 50 cent was not in any of the def jam games i'm looking at him now he's not was in the right was def jam icon the third one uh yeah there's def def jam vendetta def jam fight for new york they've talked about making a sequel in 2018 uh i'm trying to find icon i don't remember icon to be honest yeah it is 2007 yeah. Yep. That was the last yeah, one. Yeah, looks off. Looks bad. Yeah, apparently it wasn't good. Hey, so it wasn't do, this uh, one either. There you go. Yeah. So, so what are you watching? What are you playing? So I watched a movie yesterday. Okay. Tell me about and it. And I watched a movie called Sound of Metal. Have you heard of this movie? Yes, I have. Is that a? Is it a documentary or? No, it's, it's a, a it's a drama movie. Yeah, it's a movie. Do you know anything about this movie? I heard about it on a podcast. So basically, this is a movie about a metal drummer, right? He's a he's a heavy metal drummer, and he's living kind of this 
I wouldn't necessarily say rock star life, but just sort of this very free and open life, right? Like he's 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 here with his, his girlfriend is the singer and plays guitar and he plays the drum and again it's metal, right? So it's loud. Loud drums, you know, not necessarily much rhythm, but if you're a metal fan, you're probably like there's rhythm in metal. I don't know metal, so I'm not going to disparage it, but you know, not for me. So he's sort of living in this he's living this lifestyle, this clean and sober lifestyle in this RV his girlfriend and you know doing what you do right you drive from gig to gig you know never you know shirts are all dirty because it's just metal right living that metal lifestyle and as he's sitting there sort of setting up this booth for you know to sell t-shirts and things to make his living before a show he starts to lose his hearing oh so the whole story is about how this guy who obviously his life has about music and his life is very troubled and he's sort of come out through a lot of that struggle to finally get his life in a place where he seemed to be very comfortable and happy to having to find himself again because of this disability. So that's what the story is without spoiling it. This is one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. It was very well done. The sound design is really good. I felt like, I don't get ASMR, but if AF, but if if this movie was supposed to be ASMR, where it's supposed to send like chills and tingles down your spine as he is starting to sort of rapidly decline, this movie did it for me. I was extremely uncomfortable listening to this movie because it just really gave you the sense of, oh yeah, this is this must be what it's like, and sort of how uncomfortable this is as you start to just rapidly lose the ability for something that we all take for granted. He obviously takes for granted, right? He's a heavy metal um, drummer. So he's just, I'm just doing my thing. I'm making loud noises and I'm banging it and I'm living my life. And then all of this stuff, sort of the one thing that he needs to do this job starts to fall apart. So yes, I heavily recommend it. I didn't really spoil it, but I heavily recommend it. It's great. It's very well done. The audio is very well done. Um, so yeah, that's my that's my movie recommendation. I give that thing if I could give it four and a half, almost five, probably five to be honest. There's nothing really I didn't like about it. I thought it was great from start to finish. Wow, yeah, I have to check it out. Hear good things about it. And I'm looking at this it's got 96. percent Great, it's very like if this. I don't know if this thing has been nominated for any awards, but it should be. This is the type yeah. of movie that I would watch and go. This is an award winning movie. It's from 2019, so. Yeah, but I think it just came out, didn't it? Yeah, again, COVID, right? Yeah. So these pictures and things are from 2019, but it just came out recently. So, Wow. All right. I'll check it out. Here are good things. I just got to figure out where to watch it. Anything else? Protect your hearing is pretty much what the moral of the story is. Like, oh, take okay. your hearing. All right. I'll do that. Uh, but no, that's pretty much it. That's kind of uh, that's kind of been it. Not doing too much otherwise. All right. Yeah. I watched uh, episode four of WandaVision. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And digging it. Like this this uh this is a great episode. Really good. Um they basically I'm just not a spoiler, uh, but they jump right to the right to the twist, which is oh, cool. Yeah. So, so we can so so the the cutesy little hey Marvel's so innovative and creative, they realized three episodes is enough. Let's get to the Marvel stuff. Is that where we are? Uh kind of, but the way they wrap it into the universe is pretty cool. So this is very much like a uh it's a treat for a lot of Marvel fans, I think, like who have been with all the movies because it brings in a lot of um, B like side characters 
um, that have shown up throughout throughout the movies, references some of the other ones, and it's uh, it's it's a fun episode. It really uh, it, it it the cool thing about it is that I had an idea of where things were going based on what I knew already of like some comic books things that I think Greg told me a little bit about that. And this basically, they basically say as much in this episode and they're like, this is what's happening. And it's like, cool. And we still have another half season to go, which shows there's like a bunch of other stuff going on. So it's cool that they got to this point now instead of later, which shows that they, they might have a few other tricks up their sleeves. So yeah, I'm on board. Um, uh, I'm still enjoying it. It's a good time. I I like the, I like the, I still like the weekly releases. It's easily digestible, you know. Have a have an episode of WandaVision with my lunch. It's a beautiful thing. It's great. Um yeah, and then like I said, I started playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And it's good. Very pretty on the Series X. And it's not like any other Assassin's Creed game. It is in the general structure, I suppose, but the I've never seen stealth so underutilized in a game that that's origins have revolved around stealth assassinating uh, people so it's uh it's still a lot of fun i enjoy the lore and the characters the uh the world it's all in uh, england this time and you play as vikings uh, so it's a lot more brutal than others a lot more decapitations and dismemberment than uh, other assassin's creed games but assassin's creed games always been pretty violent so this one's pretty good. Enjoying it. Definitely the one of the buggiest Assassin's Creed games I've played as well. <laughs> That's, there's a lot. There's apparently a bug that was introduced in the last patch that like that I'm seeing a bunch where characters mouths just don't move when they speak. So they'll so lines of dialogue just look really awkward. Then they move to the other character. Their mouth is speaking Then they move back to the other character and that line mouth is speaking again. So it's nothing like game breaking, but it is immersion breaking when it's positioned to be this more cinematic experience at times uh but overall like i I think the soundtrack is one of the best in the assassin's creed games it's just like you you gotta admire the production values that they pump out of these things it's it's so huge and so enormous and the games are so gorgeous and the amount of stuff that's in it is just really impressive so yeah i enjoy it um i don't don't really have much more to say than that. Yeah. All right, you enjoy it. Good. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think I've ever really played an Assassin's Creed game, so I kind of shrug at all of them. Yeah, I I'd say that the best on ramp for an Assassin's Creed game, I think Odyssey is the one I played through last year, which actually came out in 2018. Um, I think I enjoyed that one more than anything, just as a game. As an Assassin's Creed game, I think Syndicate is still my favorite in the like as like a classic Assassin's Creed game, because they basically turned into RPGs uh, with Origins. And they are meaty games. So if you want a big time sink, Assassin's Creed uh, Odyssey is the one I'd recommend. It's the middle one of this new RPG-focused Assassin's Creed trilogy. So anyway, that's it. Look at that. We kept it under two hours. (laughs) Jesus Christ. But you know what? Today was worth it, because uh, the Wall Street bet stuff is... It's very funny, and I think enough people who don't really, who are maybe trying to understand it a bit. Hopefully, we we cleared up the, we cleared it up for you, so you understand. Yeah, it's madness. <laughs> so I don't think we cleared up anything. Maybe we probably made it more confusing, but that's maybe. okay. You know, you're not coming here to learn stuff. Yeah, you're coming here for the laughs. 
You're here for the giggles. For the That's what you're here for. Exactly. So, you know, we'll be back again next week. Until then, go to he'sabroad.com, see the links, subscribe, rate us on iTunes. I haven't checked the reviews. I should do that. I'll do it next week because the my iPad's in the other room. It's too far away. Um, There's one thing you should it? take away from this podcast. Diamond strong hands. This podcast is over.